Thanks for joining us today for the Fellowship Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Now, here's today's message. Colossians chapter number two, and I want us to start looking at verse number one. Colossians chapter number two and verse number one. The Bible says this, for I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. As we continue this series, I want to preach on the subject, walk ye in him. Walk ye in him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Lord, we love you. We are so thankful to be in your house this morning. What a blessing it's been. Uh, What a privilege it's been to hear just the the praises from these kids, uh, Lord, from the choir, and as a body together, just praising you through song. God, we're just so blessed to be saved today. Uh, God, we we pray that you would just be with this service. God, I I need you. I pray that you would fill me, that you would give me the words to say, uh, Lord, for for us today so that we would be encouraged to walk in you. Lord, as we have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Lord, I pray that you would, uh, Lord, just convict us where we need that conviction. Encourage us, Lord, where we need encouragement this morning. And God, I just pray that we would leave Lord, just changed this morning as we leave and go our separate ways. We love you. We're so thankful for you. Pray that everything would be honoring and glorifying to your name because you're worthy. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. We found as we closed at the the end of chapter number one, Paul speaks of his suffering and he lets us know that there is purpose in our pain. And let's understand today, if you and I are following Jesus Christ, uh, our suffering has purpose. God can use the pain in our life to help other people, to benefit others. Paul said in Philippians that the sufferings uh, that he had was furthering the gospel as he was in prison, as he was in, under house arrest. Listen, he might not have enjoyed it. He might not have uh, um, liked it, but he knew that God was using that time in his life for Christ to be magnified. That pain that he was going through, there was purpose in it. At the end of chapter number one, he also spoke of the stewardship when, uh, of stewardship when it comes to the mystery of God. That Jesus was the answer and is the answer today, amen? And Paul said that, that we know, now that we know the mystery of God, we have a responsibility to be good stewards of that mystery. Paul tells us in verse number 29 that he was tired. He was wore out. He uses the word labor. That word means to to struggle to the point of exhaustion. But also that he could, he finishes in verse number 29, that he is able to get through his suffering. 
He's able to be this type of steward that he needs to be of the mystery of God through Christ and in Christ. Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We come here to verse number one of chapter number two, and he, he continues that thought. He continues that thought of struggling, of going through what he is uh, going through. And he says in verse number one that he has a great conflict for these people. That word conflict means to agonize. That's where we, that Greek word is where we get our word agonize. Agonizing. You see, I don't, I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't like agony as a part of my life right? I don't think he necessarily enjoyed it, but understand why. Why was he agonizing over it? Why, was he, why did he have this great conflict? What was it that concerned Paul in regards to the Colossian church? We find in verse number four, this is the concern. Look at it. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. He didn't want anybody to slip up. He didn't want anybody to, to fall into this false teaching, this false doctrine that sounded appealing to them. He says, that, that's my burden. That's why I'm burdened, because this is the cause of concern. So what does it have? What does this passage of Scripture have for us that we can learn from today? You know, the theme for this book, this, this series has been complete in Christ. And so if we're complete in Him, I believe it's smart for us to walk in Him. Would you agree with me this morning? If we're complete in Christ, then we should walk in Christ. So number one, I want us to see in this passage of Scripture, number one, a burden. A burden. Look at verse number one. The Bible says this, for I would that ye knew. Paul's saying, here is something that I really want you to know at the church at Colossae. I desire for you to know this. He goes on to say, what great conflict I have for you. Now we must remember here that, that Paul had never met these people, right? If he were walking down the street and passed by one of them, he would have no idea who they were. If he were to bump into one of them at the local flea market in that day, he would have no idea who they were. But he has a burden for them. He has a, a burden for them. He says, I care for you. I agonize for you. Paul said to the Galatian believers, he said, that I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. There's nothing like a man giving a child birth uh, illustration, right? We have no idea. But Paul says that here. He uses it as an illustration. It's, he says, it's like I'm having a baby, a man said, never, except for Paul, right? Paul has this extreme agonizing, this extreme burden for people that he had never met. Let me ask you this morning, he goes on to say, and Laodicea, there's another church that he had never met. He's burdened for them. He's agonizing for them. Let me ask you the question this morning. Have you ever been burdened for someone that you've never met? Have you ever had the burden for someone that you've never met? I enjoy our, in the month of February, we always have a missions-focused uh, uh, month, a, a mission, uh, missions conference or a mission-focused month. And, and I believe a lot of times when they come in, they'll show those pictures. These missionaries will show pictures of people's faces and, and some children that are maybe even starving and they don't have much to eat. They don't have much to, to live in. And as we look at those pictures, why do they show us those? So that we might have a burden. We might catch a burden for those people that we've never met. Paul has a burden 
for these people. He's agonizing for them. Who are you burdened for, church? See, it takes, you see what, in order for us to be burdened, it takes a people matter mindset. It takes a people matter type of mindset. It takes walking with Christ. The Bible says, look not every man on his own things, but on the things of others. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. Understand today, listen, when when we follow Christ, when he is first, we automatically have a burden for people that we've never met. When Jesus is first in your life, people will begin to matter to you. When Jesus is first in your life, you'll begin serving others. When Jesus is first in your life, you'll be mission focused. People are going to matter matter to you. You're going to be concerned for their souls. Paul says, I have a burden, but he gets specific here with his burden. Look at verse number two. Verse number two, that their hearts might be comforted. That their hearts might be comforted or that their hearts might be encouraged. He says, being knit together. There's unity. He he desires unity. This burden for these churches is, is to be unified. He says, in love and unto all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, meaning that he desired that for them to know what they believe and why they believe it. Paul is is saying, I have a burden, a burden for people, a burden for the Colossian church, a burden for the church at Laodicea. And my burden is that they may be encouraged. Why? Because in this world, sometimes it can be discouraging when you're the minority. It can be discouraging when the world is going one way and you're trying to swim upstream. It gets discouraging sometimes when you speak of Christ and you're mocked for it. Paul has a burden that they stay encouraged, that they have unity, that they have a godly love toward one another, that they know what they believe and why they believe it. And that ought to be our burden for Fellowship Baptist Church today. That ought to be our burden today for one another. Yes, pray for your missionaries. And yes, pray for those people that they reach that you've never met. And pray for the churches that preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, but especially have a burden for the people right here at Fellowship Baptist Church. A burden for us to be encouraged that God would would make us to be encouraged where we can come to church and we can focus on Christ. Where we can provoke one another unto love and to good works. And when we leave, we have a greater love for Christ. Amen? Not because of a great sermon, not because of a great music program, but because we met together and we encouraged one another. Listen, we should leave encouraged after we have spoken to each other. And if you come into church with a burden for people, you're going to encourage that person. We should leave, and when we leave this church, we should be encouraged because we have prayed for one another. When we leave this church, we should be encouraged because we have studied the Word of God together in Sunday school. 
That's why it's so important, I believe, for you to be in Sunday school. So when we sit in Sunday school, we had a wonderful time this morning, full class where we prayed for one another, where we studied God's word for, with, enough, with one another, and where we encouraged each other in God's word. Listen, when we come to church, when we leave, we should be encouraged. Why? Because we sang praises to God together. Listen, we should find encouragement within the body of Christ. We're not going to find it out there in the world. We must find it in here. But it takes us as believers saying, hey, I have a burden for people. I love people. People matter. Why? Because they matter to Christ. He has a burden. Paul has a burden that they, would, that they would serve. Listen, we all need to have a burden that the believers at Fellowship Baptist Church would be encouraged, that we would be knit together in unity. Church, let it be a prayer of all of us that we would get behind these core values here at Fellowship Baptist Church. I got one amen. We're not all behind it. Listen, we have to be behind these things, these things that are behind me. We have to grab a hold of the rope and pull together, being knit together with the fact that Jesus is going to be first in our life and that people are going to matter and that we serve others and that we're mission-focused in our community. Grab a hold of that rope. Pull together, being knit together in love. that we share and that we receive the love of Christ when we come into this place and that we grow in the knowledge of the word, that we, that we know what we believe and why we believe it. Paul had a burden for people. Do you have a burden? Do you have a burden for people? A lot of times we can just become so me-focused, right? We don't worry about any other people. People should matter. But what's the purpose for this burden that Paul has? Why? What's the reasoning behind it. What would it be? Verse number two. He says that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement. He's saying, this is what I want you to know. Be encouraged by it. Be knit together in this. This should bind your love together. This is what, you, what I want you to be assured about. What is it? Of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom? In who? In Christ. Are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul is saying, listen, if I can boil this, this down, this burden that I have, if I can boil it down to one thing, this is what I desire. I want people to know Jesus. I want people to know the mystery. I want people to know who he is, not just know about him, not just be acquainted with the gospel, but I want people to experience Jesus. I want them to know that he is real. I want them to know that he can change their life, that he can change their heart. He can empower them. He can give them love and joy and peace and all of the things that come with the relationship with Christ. I just want people to know him. See, people are looking for love in all the wrong places. Isn't that a song? <laughs> People are looking for love in all the wrong places. The answer is found in Jesus Christ. Paul says, this is my burden. Listen, church, who are you burdened for that they too would come to know Jesus and enjoy 
all that is in Christ. Let me ask you this. Has he been good to you? Has he been faithful to you? Has he sustained you? Why wouldn't you want that for someone else? Why wouldn't you want that for someone else? He has this burden. Paul has this burden. But then number two, we see a warning. You see, if you really love people, you'll warn them. Did you hear that? If you really love people and you have a burden for people, you'll warn them. Look at verse number four. He says this. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Now, we're not going to get into much detail on this verse because we're going to pick up in verse number eight and really dive deep into what he's talking about. But here he's introducing this thought to beware. That even, listen to this, even doctrinally sound Christians can be swayed away from Christ. Not that they lose their salvation, but that they lose their effectiveness. Not that they lose their salvation, because that's not possible. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. But that we can lose our energy and our luster to serve God. We can lose our way. That can happen to us. That can happen. And Paul is telling them to beware because sometimes false doctrine can sound appealing. Paul says, lest any man, the Colossian believers had to watch out for who? The Judaizers. They had to watch out for the Gnostics. They had to watch out for the Roman cults. They had to watch out for all of these things. So that's why Paul says, listen, all the answers are found in Christ Jesus. See, we must study the word. We must know more about Jesus. Church, we live in dark times. We live in dark days where Jesus is being de-emphasized. Truth is being attacked. And we must know what we believe about Jesus that's central to our faith. Because listen, it's central to the word of God. Beware, he's saying. Stay strong in Christ. Understand here, Paul is talking to strong Christians. He's speaking to people, to Christians that are strong in the faith. Look at verse number five. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. He uses that word, your order. It's a military word, meaning they were in rank. They weren't running from the battle. They were in their place like they should have been. They were doing a good job. And Paul is, understand here, he's warning people who haven't yet slipped. Let me say this, that's when the warning should come. The warning should come before we've slipped, amen? Before we have fallen. That is when the warning should come. We often give the warning when it's too late. The best time to warn is before there is a problem. And Paul loved people enough to warn them. He walked with Christ and the fruit of that was a burden for people that he had never met. And he warned them. You see, sometimes error can sound good, right? Enticing words. He says, I don't want you to be beguiled by enticing words. Sometimes it can sound appealing. In Christianity, there's error on both sides of the road. We're trying to walk a straight line, a straight way, serving Christ. And on the one side of the road, there's legalism. That can be appealing to people. Why? Because if we do this and we do that, then I look better than you. It makes me look good because I'm better than you. And now I can look down on you. I have higher standards than you. Look at me. 
Right? That's how, that type of thing can become appealing to us. Legalism. On the other side of the ditch, you have license. Right? I'm under grace. I can do what I want. Who cares? What does Paul say? He says, God forbid that you do whatever you want because you're under grace. I'm under grace. I can do what I want. I can go where I want. Listen, there's two sides of the ditch and Paul is warning them and he's warning us today to make sure that we are walking in liberty with Christ. The warning came from a burden that he had for these people. And understand if I and you are truly burdened for people, then we're going to warn them. But then we see lastly, a challenge. Lastly, we see a challenge. Look at verse number six. He says, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. Let me just stop there one minute. Have you received Christ Jesus the Lord? Let me try that one more time. Have you received Christ Jesus the Lord? Do you remember a time in your life where you said, hey, I can't do this on my own. I can't get to God on my own. I need a savior. Has there been a time where you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, where you realize that nothing or no one else can save you from your sin. But, but I want us to see here, he says, as ye have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, how were you saved? You understand your salvation was exclusive? Amen? Your salvation was exclusive. It wasn't Jesus plus what you can do. It wasn't Jesus plus church membership. It wasn't Jesus plus baptism. It wasn't Jesus plus anything and everything you can fill in the blank. No, we received him exclusively. He was our only hope. He was and is the way, the truth, and the life. And there was no way we could get to God except through him. Exclusively. We needed him and him alone. Not only that, but we had to depend upon him, right? For our salvation. We had to depend on him completely, fully, wholly. All of our trust had to be placed on him to save us. But also we had to receive him intelligently. We had to know who he was. We had to know what he did for us. We had to know according to the scriptures that we are sinners. And that the penalty for our sin is eternal separation from God. We had to know all of those things. And we had to know and see that he is our only hope. But I want us to see this. He says, as ye have received him. So how did we receive him? In that way, he says, so walk ye in him. The way that you and I live our Christian life is the way that we started our Christian life. Did you get that? The way that we live our Christian life is the way that we started the Christian life. You started by saying, I'm a sinner. I can't do this. You started by saying, Jesus, save me. I depend entirely on you. We started the Christian life by saying, I believe you are the power and the strength that I need. That's how we were saved. And that is how Paul is saying we need to live each and every day. Not to say that you need to get saved each and every day, but the way that you receive Christ is the way that you should live. Depending on him exclusive. It's only Jesus. It's the, he's the only one I need. Nothing else. Paul said in Galatians 3, 
having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect in the flesh? Right? We, we, when we begin in the Spirit, it's not that we say, okay, Jesus, thank you, we're good. Sometimes we get this idea of, oh, Jesus, thank you for salvation, but I got this now. Jesus, thank you for salvation, but, but uh, uh, I'm going to go ahead and I got it from here. And if I need you, then I'll call you. But Paul says, as ye have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Continually walking in Him. If you live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. The point is this, every single day of our lives, we need to realize that we can't do it alone. And that we must depend completely on Christ. We can't please God in the flesh. We can't serve God in the flesh. We can't get victory over sin in the flesh. But Christ is our sufficiency. We are complete in Him. I am complete in Him, and I need Him to work in me and through me. And we need to yield to His Spirit, and we must depend upon Him each and every day. As ye have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, church. So walk ye in Him. Paul wanted us to hear this challenge. He wanted us to grasp this challenge for us today. So he uses three different metaphors. I want to point those out. The first one is walk in Him. Let me say this, if you're alive, you're going to walk. Does that make sense? If you're alive, you're going to walk. Living people learn how to walk. Walking is living. If you live, then serve. Listen, it's not a dead faith. It should be an alive faith, a moving faith. But then he says in verse number seven, look at it. Rooted and built up in him. The second thing, metaphor that he uses is rooted in him. At salvation, we were planted in Christ, amen? What happens when you plant a seed? It begins to grow. It begins to sprout uh, from the surface. It's not a dead faith. It's an alive faith. It brings forth fruit. And that ought to be our life. If we truly are a believer, if we truly are a Christian today, then from the fruit of that relationship with Christ, there should be growth. We should grow in our knowledge as well. But then he says, but they also built up in him. Jesus is the foundation, amen? Jesus is the chief cornerstone. The Bible says, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We are built upon Christ. We are building upon a rock, not upon sand, not upon the things of this earth, of the things of this world, because like sand, as the rains come, it washes us out. We are built upon a rock, and that rock is Jesus Christ. I'm growing up from a root, and that root is Jesus Christ. I have life now, and that life came from who? Jesus Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. So walk ye in Him. Paul had this overwhelming burden for people. He agonized over it because he knew what Jesus had done for him. See, Paul was a mess, wasn't he? Paul was persecuting Christians. He was mistreating women and children. He was persecuting Christians all the way up until the road to Damascus and Jesus came on the scene. 
And Jesus, what did he do? He changed his life. And because Jesus changed Paul's life, he wanted others' life, lives to be changed. Even those that he had never met. Why? Because he knew that Jesus was the answer. He encouraged people to not step away from Christ because in Christ are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge hidden. Listen, church, don't be sidetracked. It's Jesus plus nothing. Paul then challenges them to day after day live in the reality of who they were in Christ. Paul knew that if we walk in Christ, then we're going to grow. He knew that if we walk in Christ, then we're going to know him more. He knew that if we walked in Christ, then it was going to show. Look at the end of verse number seven. He says, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. You see, you can't hide a person who walks and loves Jesus Christ. It's all over them. It's all over them. Abounding, abounding with thanksgiving. Church, my prayer for Fellowship Baptist Church is that we too would be unified. Amen? That we would be unified. Pulling in the same direction, being knit together. That we would be a vibrant church. That we would be a a loving church. That we could be an assured church, an encouraged church that reflects Jesus Christ to a people who need Him most. As Paul said this in this passage of Scripture, as you, Fellowship Baptist Church, have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. If we are complete in Christ, then I think it's a good idea that we walk in Christ. Walk ye in Him with every head bowed and every eye closed. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Fellowship Baptist Church. Come visit us at 2501 Michigan Avenue, Panama City, Florida. For more information or to donate to this ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Have a great week.